0: Pro anime. How did we find it? How does it hold up? Unpacking the hidden and outs of being an old school nerd, and proving that 80s kids can't remember a damn thing right. These are the Mindless Midlife Musings of the Anime Nerd.
1: Welcome to Mindless Midlife Musings of the Anime Nerd. I'm Rick, and I'm joined by the rest of our panel, Vic, Brian, and Lynette. Hello, everyone.
2: Hello.
1: And in this episode, cyberpunk comes to Tokyo. Bubblegum Crisis gives fans everything that made old anime great: action, music, robots, mecha, motorcycles, gratuitous nudity, and power
0: armor. Is is it gratuitous? I it, it's definitely gratuitous. It's more like it is maybe. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about gratuitous. I'll give you it is
1: Fair point. Uh, Bubblegum Crisis is a 1987 to 1991 cyberpunk original video animation series produced by Umex and animated by AIC and Artmic. Uh, The series was planned to run for 13 episodes, but was cut short to just eight. And in North America, Animago first released Bubblegum Crisis to VHS and Laserdisc in 1991 uh, in Japanese with English subtitles, which was a rarity. Uh, The series is notable in that it was one of the few early anime series that were brought over from Japan unedited and subtitled in English. So, here we are. It's... I guess we start with how we got it, right? I'll go first because I actually had this conversation recently. And it was late 1992. Uh, We had just suffered an enormous hurricane. i been displaced by it. People were living everywhere. I had just moved... Back to Homestead from temporarily living in Miami Springs, uh, and that's when I first met you, Vic. It was right around that time.
2: Oh, yeah.
1: Yeah, and then Diego, who was uh, who I'd also met, he was the one that introduced me to Bonecrash Crisis, and and which was very common for us in the early '90s um, and the late '80s was that when you started an anime, you didn't always necessarily get to start from the beginning. And we discussed this a little bit with uh, Golden Boy, but with Bubblegum Crisis, this was another one. And I actually started Bubblegum Crisis with Episode 3, Blow Up. So that was the first episode I'd ever seen. And then I can't even remember after that, the sequence of episodes I saw. Is it just kind of like however we were able to piecemeal it in? That's how we ended up watching the show. So, yeah, that was that was my first run. Vic, was yours the same?
2: Same from Diego, I think mine happened maybe a little bit before yours, but beyond that, yeah, I think it was also episode three as well, first. yeah.
0: Shout out to the Bonametti. Yep. The skinny <laughs> butterball.
1: Oh, uh, Diego was, was always getting us into trouble with good anime. Thank you. Uh. <laughs> Thank you. Thank
2: you. Yes, the wallets always hated him.
1: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and Lynette, had you ever seen Bubblegum Crisis before we no, started? No, it was my first time. All right. We're a lot yes. of
3: firsts here, so
1: I know we're just they're just getting you into
0: all this old stuff. That's good though. I, I appreciate that. I feel like we just gave Lynette like the American Music class, the AMC of anime.
1: Great <laughs> collection, uh, as dictated by us.
0: <laughs> like we could possibly we we could possibly like take over the AMC logo. But instead of American music, anime movie classics. I mean, there,
1: anime movie classics. Yes.
0: Pretty sure we can afford the lawsuit. Yeah,
1: I no. Yeah, I don't. I don't think the inner
0: it. will provide for us.
1: It's <laughs> right. he no, start a GoFundMe. Get us out of legal trouble um,
0: <laughs> that we know that we're going to get into.
1: Oh, for sure, for sure. So this is a uh, this is a really fun anime, and I think one of the most interesting things about this anime is that it is. It's like um, you guys remember the Dream Team, right? Basketball. The Dream Team was a big thing. We sent like Magic Johnson and Michael Jordan to the Olympics. It was like a big deal. Like 1992. Yeah, you know. No. No, you don't remember that at all. No.
0: At all. (laughs) What were the
1: nineties? This This anime is kind of like that in that what it did was bring a lot of really uh, now infamous anime uh, artists. Uh, to make this series. So you got a lot of heavy hitters, especially in the mecha genre. Uh, Shinji Aramaki was involved in this the entire time, and, and he was notable for uh, Mospita and he did some Appleseed stuff, and, and just tons of, of work from this guy.
0: Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Man, I love it when you start saying these things. You're like, oh, my God, Appleseed. I'm not even talking about Johnny. I'm
2: talking about the <laughs> yeah, other <right>? one. <laughs> and another note he's actually done a lot of the recent cg animated stuff like uh the recent blade runner
1: which is apropos because if bubblegum crisis is anything it is it's a blade love Man. letter to blade runner it absolutely
0: is. it is yeah is it a love letter or or oh. or maybe we shouldn't i mean is it a cautionary tale
1: It this is, is a
2: love letter with little heart stamps and chocolates on the side
1: absolutely yeah they they sent over a whole box of chocolates to this I mean it's I, I to say it's it's Blade Runner meets Streets of Fire. That's that's what this is. Like so I mean come on. It's Pris, character from Blade Runner and her band is the Replicants. Blade Runner, <laughs> right? The Boomers are clearly replicants. Like that's like the whole shtick. I mean this thing is is Blade Runner's the DNA is all over this thing.
0: So, hold on, hold on. Yeah. Is Pris Pris who fights Replicants, named her (laughs) band.
1: The Replicants? Uh,
0: The Replicants.
1: Well, to be fair, they do call them boomers in this one, because, you know. Yeah, they go boom.
0: Like, seriously? (laughs) For for the longest time, when people would say, okay, boomer, I used to, like, secretly think back to this and be like... (laughs) Okay, but do you boomer. know what
1: you're saying? <laughs> yes, yes. Every time somebody busts out an okay boomer, I'm like, Night will say, I
0: can finally tell somebody about why I was secretly laughing the when they came up with okay boomer.
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh. you need to find a little boomer sticker that says okay boomer right
1: above it. Yeah, there you go. I'm gonna make that and put it on the store. Uh. Kenichi Sonata, he did the character designs for this. Uh, He's infamous for things like gunsmith cats and writing bean. Um, He's known for just like really intricate detail work when it comes to like weaponry and automobiles, things like that. And you can tell that a lot of his hard work is in Bubblegum Crisis. Because if there's one thing they spend plenty of time on, it is world building with their vehicles and the armor and all, all the stuff about this. It is... It is a very fully realized world. And their version of Mega Tokyo, unlike Akira's Megatokyo, not unlike Akira's Megatokyo, is a fully fleshed out character. Like, it's just, they it did the homework on this one.
0: Oh, for sure. Homework, yeah. And you know what? I'm, I'm going to start this differently yep. than what I normally do. All right. I'm going to go ahead and say there are certain things about it that I thought I was really, really excited about. The first one is um so we have Pris. Yep. We have uh Celia Stingray, we have uh Nene, and then we have Lena.
1: Nene, Nene and Lena, yep.
0: We yeah. have Ingrid, we have Leon, we have <laughs> Chief, we have Lisa. Yeah. They do such a wonderful job making Mega Tokyo seem mm-hmm. like Mega Earth.
1: Yeah. No, they really do. I agree, yeah.
0: You know, and I, re- like, even to the point where the only way I knew we were in Texas on one episode is that they showed a gas station. Right.
3: <laughs> <laughs> really? Mine was the Galveston.
0: Yes,
1: the English. The, the English on the sign when they were the driving Galveston. into town.
0: <laughs> yeah. But I really like that version of Tokyo. I'll say this, though. It's a shithole. <laughs> Tokyo's it's, a shithole. Hold on. It's a lot better than Lakira. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes,
1: yeah, so there was the World War or giant, you know, meat you know, The only episode that Megatokyo doesn't look like an absolute shithole is episode eight, uh, Scoop Chase. Right? Because in it, that, it's like a shining, shimmering city of of hope and possibilities and all this and i'm like this is a very different tokyo than i literally just saw in the episode previous did they change
3: the, did they change the anime that was what i just noticed when i was watching yeah. eight and i was like the anime style changed because they've done that yeah. in certain animes where it's like you know you watch naruto shippuden and the pain versus naruto episode totally yeah. different artistry the they did.
1: Show. They did do that. And and it was by design. So I don't know if there's a backstory to it or not, as I, I didn't dig too deep into it, but they bring in uh, character artists and animators as guests. So Masami Obari, infamous uh, mecha designer. He did Tekaman Blade. He did all the Fatal Fury movies like he's just tons of stuff. Um, he was brought in to direct a few episodes and do design work for a few episodes. Um, specifically, it was like uh, Red Eyes and Moonlight Rambler, the whole sexroid bit. And then they brought in my man, uh, Satoshi Shihada for Episode 7, Double Vision. So, you know, all the characters in that are animated kind of in his style. And then actually the characters, the, sh- the character creator, uh, Kenichi Sanada, he came back to do Episode 8. But by then, his style had like evolved. Right. It's just, I mean, everything, the latter half of this whole series, the animation just through the roof, just like went, quality went way up
0: it's like, it's like the caffeine finally kicked in <laughs>
1: <laughs> right, exactly yes so yeah it's it's really great. I love when series can do this, but still feel unified because it, it can be disjointing to see a drastic change in character designs. Case in point like megazone two three we ever get to that one. you are gonna your mind's going to get blown because the characters look completely different in the second iteration versus the first. In this one, at the very least, the character designs are consistent. It's just the animation has their own personal touches on it and everything just feels more elevated the further the series goes on, including Megatokyo, which, like I said, got a hell of a facelift for the last episode.
0: I would say that if anything, Bubblegum Crisis and I'm saying this as a, as a compliment, right? Bubba Crisis gave me the closest feel to like G.I. Joe that I've ever had in anime. So G.I. G. Joe had this thing where they would do that uh, you will start off with the intro and the intro would introduce some type of mulligan or some type of uh, MacGuffin, right? And then that MacGuffin will somehow play in through... It, it, it would just manifest itself to, oh, my gosh, I need this, or you need this, or one of the main characters going to get some type of growth from interacting with this MacGuffin. You know, it was I'm, it was to the point where when you are watching, when you're watching Bubbles on Crisis, you could tell exactly what's going to happen. Oh, she's a boomer. Nobody say anything. She's a boomer. <laughs> yeah. How do you say I'm a boomer without saying it? You're
1: right. <laughs> <laughs> like especially in uh, and and that's especially like episode two where it feels like suddenly Brian J Mason has three bodyguards that are hot women. You're like, oh, they're all boomers, right? Every one of these women is a boomer. no. <laughs> which
0: would which brings me to my first quip or issue I have, and that's once again you start the series not knowing why the boomers are so bad.
1: I think because this series, they knew they were in for a run, like they felt like they were going to be able to explain a lot of this as the show went on, you know. Versus feeling like they had to establish this because they weren't sure if they were going to keep going. It certainly feels like they they had at least a clear cut vision of where they wanted to go with the story. I don't know. Sometimes it's okay to get dropped into a world and have to figure shit out.
3: I like that part about it. Yeah. Um, we, I like getting stuck in the middle because then you're just trying to figure out what's happening, and then mm-hmm. then you see how the boomers evolve, right, to the hyper boomer. Yeah. Him, right? Right. Um, I do have to have a chick moment, and I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna call in my my chick card here. Um, Chris's hard suit shoes, <laughs> totally unrealistic. Honestly, <laughs> <laughs> I have to call in the chick card right now. To go full chick mode and say, "There's no way she can run in ballerina shoes."
1: No <laughs> isn't everybody's heart suit like in eight-inch stilettos? I think that's everybody's. No, hard suit.
3: no, the older one. I think Lena and um, Aya. Lena and
0: Nene, Celia, yes. and, and
3: Nene. Nene's has a little higher, but the other two, the one, the older one, hers are flat.
1: Celia wears flats because she's a Cilia she's all business. Flats. That's why.
3: And then the one with the whippy hair, oh <laughs> yeah, are, hers are just like little kitten heels.
1: Oh man, but, but love how
3: the point. See, that's why I said I have to pull up my chick. No, right now. that's good. No, that's
1: perfect. <laughs> no, no,
3: no. I was watching a battle and I was like, "There's no way she can do like that high kick." <laughs> you
0: know, no. like can... <laughs> believe it or not. Dick was about to say the same thing because he used to walk around in high heels. He was about to say the same thing, so I don't think you're alone by yourself.
2: Dick loved the (laughs) Rocket Racer. Amnesia, because I don't remember that one bit. (laughs)
1: Huh? (laughs) I uh, and you know, just to get into that, man, I love the heart suits in this. It's like Iron Man on steroids. These things are great, and I love how unique each set of armor is. Uh, Lena's with the the cutting ribbons in the back and and Nene with all the hardware
0: I like how you didn't see the ribbons cut into actually the latter half
1: yeah like she was like I'm going and she's slicing shit up and 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 just uh, everybody's weapons are kind of personalized like Celia's got the blade that comes out the arm and just I mean really well thought out and actually if you, you know not necessarily going to delve into it but in in Crash the the three episode sequel to this they actually show kind of like the inner workings of the suit, like they kind of show how the suit tenses up around their bodies to protect them and stuff. Like it's really cool shit, man. They really, I love the mechanical design of anime.
2: the yeah, effort for that for sure.
0: You know, I, I, so, and Crisis* came out right during the, a great time for for like the whole mecha mm-hmm. uh, genre. Yeah, they did. They it, it came out and exploded around right there. You know, you mm-hmm. have Bogum Crisis, which is more on Earth. Nothing alien about it. it. This is the way it is, as opposed to like your Robotech, as opposed to your Voltron, as opposed mm-hmm. to. But they made it so personal. The whole Mecha genre is so personal with in there. Yeah, um, it put it down on on on. on it's the everyman's person. Like I'm talking about the little guy. Who's looking out for the little man?
3: <laughs>
1: well, these guys, like, I, I love that about uh, the stories in these, is that each each episode is their own little self-contained story with bits and seeds of an overarching plot. Like, the whole second episode with Irene and Lena, and, like, Lena's, like, looking out for her dan- her fellow dancer. Aerobics. Aerobics. Aerobics, you know. And then shit goes sideways, and, and Lena wants to get vengeance, but she's, like, sticking to the code that they never really outline that the night sabers have to follow It's like no no individual operations we gotta go as a team kind of thing yeah i love
2: all that shit. okay i do have one minor gripe but actually that sequence with irene dying yeah you know the boomer drops her off the bridge she's dead everyone's all upset and everything and the yeah. very next scene they're walking up getting ready to suit up and everyone's smiling everyone's happy the
1: music is upbeat right i agree yes it was a little off-putting. And then the end credits. It goes to a cemetery, Irene's grave. And the music is super upbeat. It's a very upbeat song. Yes, they are pretty happy about Irene being dead. <laughs> Yo, know,
0: I made notes about that. I'm going to say Did it you? right now. The night, the <laughs> night sabers, they suck. <laughs> In terms of saving people.
1: Yeah, they don't have a good they, record now.
0: No, no, they're three for eight. <laughs> numbers right, right, right. were slightly skewed
2: because if they didn't get rid of the boomers, how many more people would have died?
1: Right. They're they're
2: they're... For important
1: people. Like, so seriously. They're less about saving people versus stopping the threat.
0: <laughs> All right, who was the first one to die in part one? The little Cynthia girl. The little... Okay, but she, but she was a boomer. That's she was again. a boomer. But they were they were supposed to be paid to
2: protect her. <laughs> Well, you know, orbital beam cannons kind of do things like that.
1: Yeah, when you when you when you connect your your semi sentient robot child to an orbital beam satellite system, it's it's not gonna go well. Uh, yeah.
0: So then, it's you, an have have beam you have Ingrid; she dies. Three, you have the little kid; his mom dies. He gets well, dropped actually, off at an orbit. I
3: have to. I have to combat that. His mom died from stupidity. Word. Uh, she, ran, yeah. she saw them be- breaking down a building, and she went in for what three hundred yen. It's not gonna. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry.
2: She, she went in for McDonald's, McDonald's money, money. <laughs> like four dollars American. That's a lot of money back
3: then. Uh, so I can't really blame that on the nights. That's actually stupidity. And yeah. if, she, if she was dumb enough to go in there, then that's really not their fault.
0: Oh, hold on, but Pris lets you know exactly, like, she lets you know, hey, you don't see the kid afterwards, they tune up, get revenge, and yeah. then Pris drops the kid off, Yeah, cheery music in by, in the back, turns around,
3: away. <laughs> yep.
2: You know what, they were probably like, you know, we commissioned the music to be made, we've got to use it
1: and and i feel like they it, it, like definitely when they're wrapping up that story plot and they're like somebody probably threw that shit in at the end they're like oh man this episode is great and then somebody in the back uh what happened to the boy and it was like oh shit the boy fuck we need to figure out something to do with this kid
3: <laughs> i do have to give props to leon too it takes a strong man to have a very fruity parfait in front of him <laughs> while the girl is eating steak <laughs>
2: <laughs> hey, hey, sorry. look,
3: look, look.
0: They, they let you know from the get go. I think Leon and what, what was his partner's name? Daily. 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 Yeah, Daily. There you go. 20 cents to the truck.
3: Daily. I think Daily
0: had a crush on, on Leon.
1: Oh, Daily had a hardcore crush on Leon. And he was very upfront about it the entire time, which, you know, hey, uh, uh, again, 1992. We got gay characters in our cartoons. Like, shit, man. This is what it's all about. Yeah. A representation like a motherfucker.
0: Like, he is said great. something that, he, like, he says, it's one thing he says, you know, you f- keep on finding them. You know, they should go to sleep together. I am like, whoa. <laughs> yes, and then Leon goes,
3: and then Leon goes, I think there's a car outside. And then they left. And everybody, is <laughs> and then
0: everyone in the basically.
2: station is just cracking up. Yeah, they're just <laughs> laughing it
1: up, like, oh, whatever. But, you know, hey, they're not saying they didn't get down. It's like, it could have happened. I mean, yes, yes, Leon is pining after Pris hard, but that don't mean he doesn't bat for both teams.
0: Hold on, look, I got, Leon sucks as a detective.
1: He's always terrible. He's a terrible cop. But he is is a cliche of every 80s cop, right? That's his whole role in this, down to the bickering with the chief. Like, every episode, he's fighting with the chief about something. Yes, Carl. Yeah, hundred yeah, percent. And and he's bitching at him, and I'm like, every time they're on screen together, I'm like, this is this is another '80s buddy cop shtick where the captain's just chewing his ass out. And when he finally does something, he, like throws a cup at him, I'm like, there you go. That's exactly what this is. I fully, I, I'm invested in it. I'm fine with it. He's a terrible cop, though. Absolutely, should have been suspended ages ago.
0: <laughs> so they do all right. So Leon, Leon, uh. And this is what I mean by it's, a, it's the closest thing to G.I. Joe. Because G.I. Joe, when we're watching it as kids, I'm like, oh my gosh, it's awesome. But then you listen to the MacGuffin. And when I'm using the term MacGuffin, I'm saying something is placed here mm-hmm. just to, for no other purpose, just to move the pot along. Sure. That's my definition of a MacGuffin. Absolutely, I get you. So they are doing that so much in there. Press takes him out. To, uh, gets him to take her out. She's yep. eating the steak, parfait over there. And a singer is asking him about an explosion.
1: Yeah. And he's like... He's not sus at all. He's just like... That, right, that's yeah, us! Tell you, tell you exactly what's happening. Why not? I divulge secrets of open investigations, of course. So <laughs> It was a closed investigation
2: when she asked. Yeah.
1: Fair point, fair point. Nevertheless, it's he should have been suspicious. Like, why are you and why is it that you're always around when I when there's some boomer shit going down? And how come <laughs> you are asking about? But I mean, that's that's cartoon logic, right? Look, we know fully well as adults that you're going to come in and 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 analyze this. We're going to find a lot of holes, right? There's going to be a lot of lumps in this batter. For example, this episode five, probably one of my favorite episodes and also one of my most hated episodes. Moonlight Rambler, right? So you got Sylvie and Anri and her other sex dolls are escaping from a space station because that's where you keep your sex dolls, I guess. And then they escape the, the space station. But now because one of them's injured, now they're vampire sex dolls. So now they need human blood to fix the broken. But ve- none of this shit makes sense.
3: OK, I wasn't the only one who was lost.
1: It is an <laughs> asinine plot point. It's the MacGuffin. How do we get Sylvie to kill people? Well, she needs blood because she's a vampire sex doll. Like, it don't make no damn sense. But I still love this episode because just it's a gorgeous episode and the character interactions between oh, oh, Sylvie oh, so I know, and Chris. Oh, that's the
0: part you fell in love with when they were there sitting there in the panties and, and the shirt and and candlelight. <laughs> <all>? Yeah, that's <laughs> and, that's, and, that's and, it. That's
1: all I, I, I needed. Yeah, all. Could have been eight episodes straight of just that, and no, it's. <laughs> it's just it's great character interactions and the dd mecca that this whole episode was directed by masami abari by the way and i'm gonna go on a small tangent here in a sec is that
0: it's hold it's it great. hold it hold it <laughs> hold the tangent
1: <laughs> yeah i gotta hold it in it's a it's a beautiful episode and the action is really great and the dd mecca beating the shit out of leon like all that shit, it's so cool but boy this was tied together with just the thinnest bit of string they could find and and honestly, I, I kind of blame Obari on this. It, it's and this is a problem with anime, and this is a problem, a very big problem with older anime. Older anime is oftentimes what happens is is they find an extremely talented artist, somebody like Masami Obari, brilliant artist. I bow to his power, and then they just say, "You know what? You're so talented at drawing. Why don't you write, direct, and storyboard a series? Go!" You're like, "Whoa! Hold up!" He's a talented artist. That does not mean he is a talented storyteller. Those are two vastly different things. I can draw like nobody's business, but you ask me to write. We are gonna have a bad time, I am same, not
0: equipped for this. But look, it's the same way with, uh, with um, Metal Gear. Yeah. Metal Gear Solid, Yideo Kojima. I, mm-hmm. I, I pretty, I hope I said that right. Big, <laughs> big, do what you need to do. Uh, right, uh, who, 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 is name? gonna hunt
2: you down and you know turn you into a scarf. He's gonna hide in a box. All right, all He's right. Gonna... <laughs> all right,
0: Hideo Kojima. Yeah, right. that's what I'm going with.
1: All right, Vic, let's go. With I will it. do
0: a bet. I will do a bet with you. <laughs> if I'm wrong, I will watch Akira this week.
1: Oh shit! Well, we'll we'll uh, we'll put it into corrections if you were. Um... <laughs>
0: If I'm wrong, I'll watch Akira this week.
1: All right, but uh, finish finish your point.
0: So uh, uh, Hideo uh, Kojima, yeah. he was
2: he's a game designer. He is a game designer.
0: He is a game, was, designer. and he then is. they okay. gave it they gave him complete run of the Metal Gear series. Yeah, he he designed it. So there's something that goes to that. If you're really good at this, there there's a thought process that let's see what you do and it, it gives you that the whole this is their definitive vision of what this is supposed to be
2: uh, jima is the outlier that not every designer is always going to end up as you know giving a shot and make you know gold
1: there are very few instances where i have followed an artist or a storyteller or something and they give full control over something and i end up thoroughly enjoying it it is rare uh, Masami abari is is not an exception to this. I love his artwork, but every time they put him in front of a story, I even at the age I was watching these originally back in the early 90s, am dissecting it going this doesn't make any damn sense. And that holds true to the Fatal Fury series, it holds true to that episode, it it just everything the guy does. Even the Tekken Blade series. I I love the Tekken Man Blade series, but and you, when you really watch it, you start going, why is that a thing? And that's just because he's and again, respect. The guy is so good at what he does. He wants to to create a moment. So he's like, it's like he's so focused on making a visual moment that he doesn't spend enough time getting you to that moment.
2: Yeah, the buildup up just isn't there.
1: Right. So this episode, that episode, it's my favorite, and I hate it all at the same time for these reasons.
3: Well, I did hear a new word. Was it sexeroid?
1: Sexeroid, yeah, <laughs> yeah <it's> sexeroid.
3: <laughs> like I was, I was like... like, "It's not a boomer."
1: No, a that's a sexeroid. Is this is better than a boomer? You can fuck was... this one. It's a sexeroid.
0: <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> no, but who was fucking a sexeroid? I know, I know. That's
1: what I want to know. They had us. They had. An army of beautiful sexeroids Sex-aroid. up in a space station. space
0: station was just populated by boomers.
3: No, they were fo- no. they were filled with big DDS.
0: Right.
1: <laughs> <laughs> is. I love that. And it's and and look, I. I I'm not going to hate on this series, but I will call out its flaws just like everything else. And that episode is probably the weakest one as far as storyline goes. Because And it's so important. It's an important
0: storyline. How can, how story can be weak with double D's?
1: Yeah, man. They make you tired. I don't know but, what else I'm going to say.
0: Look, <laughs> look, they said d I was like, come on, just say double D's one time.
1: No, they're not going to do that to you. No, <laughs>
0: no,
1: no this is... So then yeah, so that episode is so it's so weak, but it's such an important setup because it gets you into the next episode, Red Eyes, with Largo and and that whole arc.
3: And it shows it's a lead into Prissa's growth too, right? Yeah, because yeah. Doesn't she like Iron Man to it and go into like the new suit?
1: That shit was dope. I'm not gonna lie. That that was that was so cool when she did that.
0: I'm not gonna lie. I, I'm I did want to point out um uh, they showed the Ariel. <laughs>
3: why she was running to the thing.
0: No, no, no. When she gets into it, and she she throws off her old suit, and she's yeah. sitting there. And right before you go over there, I I wound don't, it don't four times to make sure. <laughs> <laughs> they they. And that's why I said it's not gratuitous. It's Pristuitous
1: I admittedly, I think Pris is the only character they do it with. But yeah, every fucking episode it's like, hang on, we're gonna go save. The city. Let me get dressed, and we cut. To gr- That's why it's gratuitous.
3: You're the only one who's naked in her suits, right? I mean, because even Nene has.
1: They're all wearing shit, right? Like she's, she, they're showing them get their undersuit thing on. There's, there's. Yeah,
3: but is 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 Chris the only one who's like naked in the undersuit? Because wasn't Nene in like her gutchies?
1: No, I don't think so. I think they're all they wearing. They all go... I think they all have those those they leotards, leotards on. That's what I'm calling them.
3: Leotard, okay.
1: Or mecatard. Mecha Tards. Um,
3: <laughs> no. No, we'll have that to. That doesn't do work,
1: it. Brian. Let's not combine any word with Tard. Let's just not do that. <laughs> that. doesn't work, Brian.
0: Leo Mech. The
2: internet's going to Leo yeah.
1: Mech.
0: I like Mecha Tard better.
1: I like it better. <laughs> oh, Brian. The whole, the whole series. I mean, arguably, right? Pris is the main character. Right? She's like the first sure. character they show. She's the character you follow through the whole series. But I love when they spend time with other characters yes i liked that they spent a whole episode with Nene and like sure. the whole thing i hated that it was the last episode right like that episode needed to be somewhere else sure.
0: and, and, it, and that's what that's what i think that there is such a, a it's such a hard stop right it doesn't feel like this was supposed to be ending like listen.
1: Yeah, and it wasn't, right? As as I said in the intro, It's it was intended to be like a 13-episode series, and then they, they cut it short. And there was some kind of legal trouble about that, and there was like a lawsuit and a bunch of shit that happened went down. But So they they ended up cutting it short. And then apparently at some point, say you was going to leave because her contract was up, and they're like, nope, we figured it out. So anyway, they ended up cutting the series short. But one of the studios, not with help from the other one, did crash to try to finish off the story. And for the most part, they succeeded in wrapping it up in better than Scoop Chase did. Uh, so if you if you do watch Bubblegum Crisis, it's worth getting through the last three episodes, getting through Crash just to get some semblance of closure to the overall story.
0: I think Bubblegum Crisis is one of the first shows that shows you that like the whole bubblegum, like the whole bleach, the whole uh... The whole naming it after something that
1: makes no goddamn sense. Yeah. Like, like
0: I was like, Bubblegum Crisis is who is coming out the Bubblelicious? Who's doing right? this? Like, who sold the Bubblegum? I mean, in
1: 1992, that's the first anime with the Diego brought that shit out. I'm like, this show's called Bubblegum Crisis. What the fuck am I about to watch? And he's like, no, dude, I'm telling you, this
0: is really good. I'm like, it's called Bubblegum Crisis. Now the, but it's not the first, because there's one, is more of a hentai... it's more of a. Henti, is it like Lemon Cherry or something like that? Okay,
1: it's not, it's not the first, it's just, it was my first. There have right. been other, yeah. there's like Cream Lemon, the Cream Lemon yeah, Cream, series. Yeah. yeah, Cream Lemon series is a, an H series, a, a bunch of mini stories. It, it's great. It's from the early 80s, but it's not a... But I, I, I didn't see that until much later in life. So yeah, Bubblegum Chrysos was my first whacked ass name that I was like, well, I don't don't know what the fuck I'm about to watch.
3: I think it was named after the guy with the vest that had Bubblegum Crisis on the back of it. (laughs) 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 There was a scene. (laughs) And
1: that brings up an excellent thing I wanted to say. One of the things I love about this series is how many Easter eggs there are in this series. They give you so much. Every time there is text on screen, you need to pause because there's an Easter egg, like every time. If it's not songs by madonna it's characters from top gun
3: Hey like ryan
1: yeah or yeah or, <laughs> or cast from top gun or there's one where it's all marvel comics artists I, like it's every single time there's text on screen <laughs> it's worth stopping to read it because there's going to be something in there for you in in the very first episode when they're panning through mega city the thundercats are on a billboard
3: Oh, like, I miss that. I'm gonna have to Panthro, go. Panther.
1: <laughs> Panther was on a billboard as they're panning. He's off to the right of the screen. I was, like, oh my god, it's a Thundercat. Like they, so many Easter eggs in this series. It's by far the best when it comes to that.
0: I don't think uh, it's we, M- need, we, we need to find Bubblegum Crash's Easter eggs and see if there's a website about it. If not, I know what Vic is going to do. Right <laughs> now, <laughs> like 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 presented to you by Greek Grotto.
1: Yeah, it's good shit. There's so many great, just little things like that, and all over the series, uh, so, start to finish.
0: So when we're talking about, um, there is such a so. All right, for instance, we recently came upon the anniversary, or not the anniversary, or the time when, uh, Back to the Future, where in, in part two, where he goes into the future. Sure. That yeah. yeah yeah, that milestone is already came.
1: Right, we've uh, we've reached parity with the series as far as timelines
0: go. Right, so there is a certain um, uh, I want to say there is a sensation that I'm having when I'm watching something that's supposed to be in 2033, and then you see. Right, you keep your sense to yourself, please. <laughs> I keep my sense. <laughs> 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 so there, there are certain anomalies that, that stand out like for yep. instance mecha guns uh, whole yep. battle suits whole boomers yep. and Leon is using a revolver
1: yep yep or and, ha- and handsets on their phones
0: handsets on their video phones
1: yeah handsets on their video phones I can see you but without this handset I can't hear what the hell Here you're, you're you.
0: saying <laughs> my favorite one my favorite one was a dot matrix printer.
1: Yeah, they still had a dot matrix printer. I was like, they
2: must- that's a lot of the Blade Runner type reference, how yeah. people at the time referenced the future.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's like yeah. they,
2: re- they referenced it as a lot of the same, but better.
1: Yeah, ele- elevated technology.
0: I was looking at it like they probably still have Windows ME in there. Windows
1: this- ME <laughs> 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 came after
3: show also like a true dial up modem where they had where she had to enter in a phone like, number and connect to yeah. the computer. Yeah, I was like, oh, okay. like, Oh, I think that's a little dated. but That's cool. <laughs> <laughs> <Sure>.
1: <laughs> I think it's one of those things like I, I love it. It's hilarious, but I, I forgive it all at the same time because Ooh. I know I know every time that they did like they did with Akira, it was because of some cataclysm, right? So like technology evolution halts. And they they just kind of like advance on what they already have, mm-hmm. right? Because so like Mega, Mega Tokyo went out went down in like 2015 or something, or some kind of earthquake or something. And like fuck the city, and it took through 2033 or 32 when the series starts. Yep. Yeah. So you know it's like 2015. I mean, admittedly, they cell phones would still exist, but hey. Payphone the payphone? <laughs> the payphone booths, man. And and funny, like in one of the episodes, Pris is like walking up to a phone booth and it's the same phone booth that she was getting her ass kicked in from like one of the other episodes, so smashed as shit, and uh-huh. she's like, ah, I gotta use the phone.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so at least it's continuity. Like the whole she's up there dancing in the club and trying to interview the guy. Have you seen this girl? What <laughs> <And, laughs> Have you seen
1: <laughs> In the uh, in the Hurricane Live uh music video bits that they made. There's a sequence in the first one where they show how Celia so Stingray like finds all the girls. So they show how Pris like lost somebody and it was like on a vengeance kick and like how Celia like finds her and like saves her. They show how like uh Nene is like trying to be a, an elite hacker, and she manages to hack into a system that Celia set up as a test to, like, you know, uh, recruit people. And so she like picks her up, and it's telling to these characters. Like, none of them are specialists. She all just plucked them out based on I don't know talent or a feeling or something. So, if anything, this is Celia's fault for picking people with zero detective skills.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> look, look. <laughs> how,
0: how did everybody know her name? Mm. Right? For
1: for a woman in an anonymous hard suit, everybody seemed to know it was Celia Stingray.
0: Yeah, yeah. Like, it it was not an episode of Bubble and Crisis. At the end of it, nobody said Celia Stingray.
1: It's, I mean, it's the Batman syndrome, right? Like, everybody knows who the hell Batman is. Like, the cowl is just pointless. Honestly, her armor is pointless. I feel like they wanted to tell you more about her. Like, there's more there, right? They they did this whole thing over the whole series where this is, this, like, hidden storyline that they were waiting to unveil about her and they never got to it because everybody was just kind of obsessed with her it wasn't just Brian Mason and it wasn't he was in love he was he was something.
0: (laughs) I don't know if you guys know this but um episode seven yeah uh one of the days is birthday
1: one in in double vision yeah June 13th nice Nice. I was
0: watching, like, June 9th, June 10, let's get it.
1: Well, now you know what to look forward to in the news on your birthday in 2033.
0: I don't know if I want to look forward to any of this. <laughs> <laughs> because, again, three for eight. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No. Now
1: it's that since we went there that episode i love that episode double vision i love it because it's it's not a pris story so again i, I like when they spend time with the other characters but i like that it's it's a hard callback to episode two now, this whole girl's yeah. whole point is avenging a character that was a rando in episode two it was very marvel cinematic universe like you had some rando girl she got killed it was horrible Boo hoo. we saved the world but then they come back hard with this hard callback in episode seven and with the sister and the triad thing and like it was great i i loved that i loved everything about that they were doing the marvel thing before marvel was doing the marvel thing that's just kind of what i wanted to get out there
3: <laughs> how is it that prince is like this awesome fighter in her suit but every time she fights as herself she loses like, broken arm broken hand
1: point of contention there <laughs> She's not a very good fighter, period, because she's (laughs) always getting her ass kicked. She is always breaking her arm. That girl wrecks everything. The fact that Celia trusts her with any hardware at all is a red flag. Because including a motor slave. (laughs) I don't think there's an episode that goes by that her her hard suit is isn't busted to shit. She didn't break a bone. She didn't wreck a bike. Like every episode,
0: she's Uh, she's she's a disaster. Lena is arguably probably the best fighter.
1: I I I love Lena. I Lena, love, oh my god, she's, I love Lena. Lena's best girl. I love her so much.
0: I was hoping for a gratuitous Lena scene with Lena. I was hoping, like when she took off her bra. In double vision, <laughs> I'm like, you're Come right. on.
1: <laughs> Lena's great. I loved her character. She's just so interesting and full of life. And like, I feel like there's a great, there's a lot they could do with her. And 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 in the sequel in crash, they do this. The whole first episode of crash is like this VH one. Where are they now thing? Not literally, but figuratively. And and Lena isn't a a dancer, aerobic instructor anymore. She's now like trying to trade stocks on the stock market. And she's like trying to like better herself. And she can't help but do like insider trading because, of course, she's got all this information. She's trying to insider trade and she's losing money. And it's I love I don't know. I just I like her character a lot. I think she's so interesting and fun. And I wish that I'm glad I got to spend at least two episodes with her. I just wish maybe it would have been a bit more than that. I,
3: I, I felt like she in her heart, she's a quiet killer. That's what I yeah, said. she doesn't yell a lot. She just no. whips those ribbons, kills people and moves on.
1: Yeah, when her heart suits <laughs> on, you don't she don't talk like Not- at all. But she's all business. She yeah, just right? shows up, slices some shit up with her with her
0: ribbons and
1: and knuckle bombs the shit. Man, <laughs> that,
0: that, yeah. that was a very interesting. Um, I had never really saw that until, uh, Bubblegum Crisis. The knuckle bomb. The knuckle,
1: the knuckle bomber. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Man, I, I love that. It's so look.
0: I I, I I thought about it and thought about it and thought about it. As interesting as it is, completely impossible. <laughs> it's not a very practical. <laughs> weapon, completely impossible.
2: If, if you don't care about losing your hand, it's possible.
1: I mean, it's, If it explodes, ouch! <laughs> it explodes out. It's not like it's like a claymore. Yeah, it's yeah. It's not. It's, it's not.
3: Clay. They can make chicks run in ballerina shoes. <laughs> <laughs> it right,
0: oh, okay, okay. So as the engineer, you get the you get the ballerina shoes. I get I get the knuckle bomb. I love it. That was cool.
1: The irony of which is that if anybody should have been dancing around in those big ass ballerina shoe heels, it shouldn't have been, been Chris, It should have been Lena, and she could have probably sold it because she's clearly a very apt dancer. Yeah, I don't know. She, I agree. I think she's like the she's the one you bring in when you want to get shit done. It's like, oh, let's send in Lena. She'll get him. <laughs> I,
0: I could like seriously. I have so much because I really enjoyed *Bumblebee*. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. I and love I, this series. Like to a fault. It was a completely different feeling rewatching this as opposed to our previous episode. We were rewatching three, three eyes.
1: Oh man, yeah, no, okay. So we gotta, we gotta really get into this now. It's the hold up episode, the does it hold up segment of our show to a modern audience. And we'll start with you, Lynette, because you were fresh to it this time. Do you feel like this series? Holds up? Does it hold up to a modern lens? Can can you release Bubblegum Crisis today and find success?
3: Yeah, I I think it's good. I think it's the um, yeah, well, yeah, it's like a girl power thing. You know, I grew up watching Sailor Moon. Yeah, but those characters are really really girly. These ones not so girly, and I like yeah. that. So it does. It's one of those. Oh, I can really enjoy this. And and uh, like you said, the the mecca, the, all that.
1: Yeah, they really. I, I I do I, I agree. Uh Brian how about you buddy? What do you think?
0: I got to say I agree. And for a different reason actually. Um based on the technology. Even yeah. nowadays there's that argument of you know the Jetsons. when are we going to get our phone and call? It? Where are we going to get <laughs> when when does technology overcome humanity? And that's an argument that we have been having for the longest time. Yeah. And it's nice to see. And, and again, I can't say it's nice to see that argument still being happening in, 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 the, in the future because it's not in the future. Right. But it's nice to know that we have been having this conversation from the past. When does technology overtake our humanity? Yeah. yeah. And they do a really good job. Same way, and when you guys point out that this is the ode to Blade Runner, yeah, same question was being asked in. Mm-hmm. This just tells you they're asking that question across the board.
1: I I agree. I agree. And 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 before I get to you, Vic, I'll, I'll I'll touch on this. It's I that is one of the greatest things about this series is that it does dance that line and ask those those questions about. At what point is something alive? You know, does the sentience matter? Like these these are self thinking living beings, but they're manufactured beings. So are they alive or are they not alive? Like what constitutes being human? And and they expand on this great in other other things like 80 police files and stuff where it's like, how much of you do they cut away before you're not human anymore? And in this, it's the same thing with these boomers. Like how, how much more human can they possibly get before we consider them a living being? I, one of the things about this series is like, if you were to give this 10 more episodes and tell them that they could spend as much time with that as they could, I think that that's probably where they would have leaned because that that was the overreaching plot of this whole series, right? It was what makes us human and what's our humanity amount to. So, yeah, it's it's just this is fun science fiction pulp but it's there's weight there. There's there's a, a subject matter that's heavy that but like you said Brian we're still having this conversation to this day and this came out in 1991 or 89 or whatever the it came out and they were having that conversation then and you think about the technology the evolution of AI and everything that we're going through right now and the fact that we could still have this conversation and have an anime like this from that long ago still be so relevant that you could drop it today and people would still be saying the same
0: things. Uh, it's a, a testament to its quality. That's so sure. now before I gotta ask one question. Yeah. Is Quincy human or is he a boomer?
1: Ah, uh, it's a good question. It's a really good question. My answer to that is why not both? It seems like every time Quincy has to do something, they send a boomer version of him to do it, right? So at any point you're watching the series, the Quincy on screen may or may not be a boomer. I don't know. I think I think the character's intended to be human, but they scapegoat him with boomers every fucking time. It's in Red Eyes, there was a Quincy bot that Largo killed, and then in Double Vision, there's a Quincy bot 2.0 that Vision kills. Like it's is always a Quincy bot. He's never like he just doesn't have to do shit. And and isn't that sad that super villains like like Largo, clear badass, can summon the wrath of God from the sky, and and he couldn't find this motherfucker to kill him. Like Quincy is a wily coyote motherfucker. He's he'll hide. So I don't know. He could always be a boomer. That would be an interesting plot point if the whole thing is he is a boomer. Why not? So now, Vic, I didn't give you a chance. Talk to me, man. Bubblegum Crisis. You you feel like it holds up? Are you in consensus with the rest of us?
2: I I am. It definitely holds up. The storyline is there.
1: The music is like
2: epitome 80s. Yeah, man. You know, which is rare because at the time, music and anime was uh, noticeably different. (laughs) Yeah. But um, yeah, I mean, Mech Designs, the obvious ode to Blade Runner. The fact that AIC planted their logo on every single thing they could possibly think of, computers, screens, yes. uh, you know, sidewalk art, buildings, you name it, it had AIC on it. It's like they manufactured the whole world.
0: It's branding, maybe. Branding. Oh, oh, funny thing. Prince and Night Sabers hate Genome, right? Yep. Prince's motorcycle?
1: Yep, Genome.
0: Genome.
1: Yeah. oh, yeah. Hey, you know, it's, it's like people that hate Microsoft but have to use a PC, yeah it's just like you know for sure or it's like i hate amazon but i still got a prime account you know it's just how it's gonna be (laughs) but yeah
2: it it honestly does hold up and i mean it's like god watching the first couple of episodes you could tell the you know the animation quality shows its age yeah but it gets better and it's like you realize that these were designed to be played on four by three crt tvs at the time which were not the greatest of quality and so, but even then, upscale to modern resolutions, some of the intricate details, even in the earlier episodes, was there. And it's insane that they bothered putting in that kind of detail in something that, at the time, you're probably never going to see, unless you're running it on a laserdisc player that had, you know, RGB output to a high-end TV at the time, which in the US yeah. you didn't get.
1: <laughs> and and yeah, it's uh, if you were an anime nerd in the early '90s, most of you weren't doing that because. We didn't really have them (laughs) it's like we were lucky if we found a vhs um let let alone a reputable laser (laughs) reseller
2: sure so yeah it, it definitely does hold up and it's definitely a must watch
1: yeah and i mean before we wrap up we gotta we gotta talk about the music a bit the music is so indicative of its era and its series and it's just great stuff it is 80s rock Right, for the most part, a couple of ballads yeah, and shit. You know but what it felt it...
0: like? Mm. I think one of the best soundtracks for a movie is Rocky Four. Hearts on Fire. Yeah. There's no easy way out. Mm. It felt like they had some great pacing in the music that they used, and this is by far the closest anime that has given it to you. And you said when we were talking about in, in in the anime music show that we mm. did it was never a repeat song
3: yeah that's what i like too It's like no episode i couldn't go back to one episode and say oh yeah i heard that in episode two or whatever yeah. i, I love it different yeah,
2: music. and in japan each out each episode got its own release and for those that actually collect vinyl they've actually repressing all eight of them which i think the first four or five only had vinyl releases and everything since then were cd releases so this June and July, for the first time, all eight volumes are available on vinyl in Japan. And for the insane cost of about three fifty, you can have all eight of them by August, mailed to you in the US.
0: Three hundred and fifty dollars, or three dollars and fifty
1: cents. Three hundred
0: and fifty dollars. To be fair, each vinyl album, right
1: or LP, is selling for about thirty-three bucks, which that's a little expensive. But this is a pretty yeah, this is an old anime, this is a repressing, it's kind of more of a collector's kind of thing, so I get the price point on that. But yeah, they're, they're definitely going for a specific market. And I have all eight pre-order, just to say. It's great. So it's, it's a testament to the anime that the music has held up this long that they can do a repressing this many years out and sell it for that price point and sell. And the demand worldwide is up there props to them props to the series props to just everybody that worked on this um they really created a piece of art that has stood the test of time
0: all right all right i got a question for y'all yeah for both all right all right and ladies and gentlemen you're about to see the civil war happen in the show who would you rather take linman may or the song for bubblegum Crisis*? <laughs>
2: Oh God, Brian! Why would you do this to us?
1: I can't. I can't pick,
0: Brian. I, I, I literally cannot pick. You have to.
1: The music and one of them has to die. Dude, the music in Super Dimension Fortress Macross is so good. It's just, it's, it, it warms my heart every time I listen to it. I can't. I can't pick. It's two completely different genres, right? So it's like asking you to pick between, like Pat Benatar. And Celine Dion, right? It's two completely Celine, different kinds of music. Easy. Celine. <laughs> Celine, easy. I got you. Next, really? Easy? Easy. <laughs>
0: easy.
1: Celine. Celine. So I, I I couldn't possibly. I can't possibly. Man, the, the, the music for both of those series, both of those, those characters, I, I'm in love with all those characters, man. They're they're just so great. I couldn't do it. Carnage. I can't. So Wish for Carnage is not happening. Look,
0: there's only one song that I would not give Celine Dion. <laughs> One song. and if it's about if it, if it comes down to it turn around bright eyes total kiss of the heart is going to beat celine dion every day of the week
1: well i mean that's you know you want to go bonnie tyler on me that's we're now, not I, gonna get into this i'm not gonna i'm not gonna let you <laughs> I'm not gonna let you trick me into devolving into an 80s music sing-off uh it's oh i thought i had you i choose night i choose none i choose there's no way i can pick between my girls i love them all the 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 girls in bubblegum crisis are a bunch of badasses who are softies at heart like when they're ragging on each other they're like picking on nene and shit in episode eight like i love the way that they're all such good friends Uh, they have fun with each other
0: i love that scene where she's eating the cake She's thinking about eating the cake, <laughs> and then
1: she that and the cake is gone. They cut away, and it's gone, and she's like, well, couldn't be helped. <laughs> <laughs> it's such a great character moment. That's I love that shit, man. Bubblegum bubble Crisis. Uh, the name makes no damn sense, but the series is just great. It's amazing. You're right? you love it, you'll hate
3: it. I want that safety vest with Bubblegum Crisis written on the back. We're going to have to... 100%. There's
1: You know, it's it's great like in a I know we got to wrap up, but man, in a in a time now where anime marketing is like at its peak, you can get almost any kind of product. Bubblegum Crisis missed the boat, man. There's so much great shit that would make fun products, and they just ah, man, too little, too late, guys. Sorry. <laughs> All right. Well, folks, that's going to be our show for today. Uh Vic when trying to find you in this tinsel city, how do we feast our red eyes on your moonlight rambler?
2: Well, you'll find me over on Aqua City. And... What the <laughs> fuck? What the fuck was this? <laughs> what the... And unfortunately, though, no, Aqua City gets destroyed, so I am no longer found.
1: Yeah, fucking boomers, man.
2: But if you're feeling talking to my Muppet, it's always, you know, as always on Twitter, it's at Kaiju underscore Geek Grotto. That's at K-A-I-J-U underscore G-E-E-K-G-R-T-T-O.
1: He's just an orbital beam satellite away, folks. Uh, (laughs) Now, Brian, I want you to say yes and rock me with your social media handle, Mr. Dandy. (laughs)
0: What are you doing?
1: (laughs) I have no idea. I have no idea what you're talking about.
0: I fucking love it. I love it, man. You can find me at Skips skips Backwards, that's S-K-I-T-Z-Z-T-I-K-S. I'm going (laughs) to be smart like Vic one day and have it just ready so I can print it up so I can read it (laughs) off. Skips skips Backwards, that's the way you pronounce it.
1: (laughs) And unfortunately, I regret to inform you that Lynette has uploaded her consciousness to a boomer and is now in hiding. So we'll get nothing out of her on this one so until next time folks keep calm and avoid Mackie's pervy gaze you've just been privy to the mindless midlife musings of the anime nerd presented by geek grotto follow the podcast on twitter at geek grotto for show notes and corrections or for general geeky fun you can visit our website at geek-grotto.com if you would like to sponsor the show you can do so on the podcast's red circle host site redcircle.com shows slash m m m a n If you're listening to us on your favorite podcast app, please like, follow, and subscribe.